to the I Hear You podcast. Alex McFarland here with my friend Odell Cleveland. We're so glad you guys are listening. And uh, Odell, good to see you, my friend. It's good to be here, as always. Yes. And uh, hey, you know, as you and I record this, um, it's uh, a couple of months away from Mother's Day. And I know you got uh, you got a, a question and a topic you're going to queue up here in a minute. But um, have you ever read that statistic that um, when it comes to Mother's Day, they sell many, many times more Mother's Day cards than they do Father's Day cards. Yes, and they should. You know, it's yeah. interesting. We just love being on the show. And again, we just thanks everyone for joining us and just continue to ask everyone to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You know, you could always follow me at Odell Cleveland on Twitter. And Alex, how do they follow you? Just uh, my name online, alexmcfarland.com. And of course, all the social media platforms, you'll find me. Good. And again, we always invite our audience to, you know, go to IHearYou.show to get some swag. You get the cool mugs and the dog tags, all, all the things that you love about us. And, yeah. you know, one of the good things about what Alex was talking about, when you start thinking about Mother's Day and mothers, and it's a, it's a poem, Alex, you know, that Mothers to Son by Langston Hughes. Have you ever heard of that poem? You know, I discovered that poem when I was in probably middle school. And that, that poem is one of the foremost poems in my life. I love that poem. And, and I guess that poem has meant something in your life as well. You know, it's interesting. When I was in college, I was just having a hard time in college um, studying. I, I wanted to be a business major, even though my basketball coach at the time wanted me to graduate in basket weaving or interdisciplinary studies. Because I guess what he wanted is for me to stay eligible to play basketball. And okay. I wanted to stay eligible to play basketball, but I wanted to graduate in business administration. So I ran across a poem because everyone knows getting in college is easy, but getting out of college is hard. Graduating yeah. is hard, very hard. Yeah, for real. And I ran across the poem and I cut it out and I would read it and it, it, I cried. The poem made me cry. I didn't understand the poem, but I felt the poem. I felt it in my soul. Yeah. And, you know, the poem, for those who never heard it, I'll just read it real quickly. It says this. Mother's a Son by Langston Hughes says, well, son, I'll tell you, life for me ain't been no crystal stairs. It's hard tacks in it and splinters and boards turn up and places where no carpet on the floor bare. But all the time I've been climbing on and reaching landings and turning corners and sometimes going in the dark where there ain't been no light. So boy, don't you turn back. Don't you sit down on the steps cause you'll find it harder. Don't you fall now for I still going, honey. I still climbing and life for me ain't been no crystal stairs. Hmm. So Alex, when you, when you first heard that point, Langston Hughes, what did you think about Langston Hughes, the great black Help me there. Well, you, you know what? As you read that poem, Odell, so many memories come back to me. And I have to confess, I was not in college till I learned that Langston Hughes was black. Now, uh, I have to go back a little bit. And let me just say, if you need to lose a lot of money and you need to lose it fast, become a chicken farmer. <laughs> uh, we, okay. we, uh, we had an egg farm for a lot of years. And my dad and mom in the 70s, um, went deeply in debt, and life was not fun for a number of years. 
And so uh, it was the early 70s. And then, uh, I mean, I was always a reader and there was a lot of stress at home and my parents were always fighting about money. So anyway, um, I come across this poem and I don't know if I was in sixth or seventh grade and I read it and I read it. Now, our house had a staircase and a landing. Wow. And I remember we were taking furniture upstairs and uh, that part of the poem about you're going up the stairs and there's broken boards and there's glass and, and there's nails. I get that. And then there's a landing and the mother to son in Langston Hughes's poem, she says, look, you can't stop. Just like you got to turn the corner and get on up to the next level. You got to keep going. So that poem spoke to me deeply because it reminded me of my mom talking about, we got to figure out, we got to pay the bill. And you know what? I mean, in a way, I mean, I've been very blessed, but we had the phone cut off. We had the power cut off back during those hard years. Now, I interpreted that poem in my own life as, as our family struggling. And my mom, she, even when we had bad days, she's had to stay hopeful. I'm at UNCG many years later, and I'm doing an English degree and steeped in literature. And I discover Langston Hughes was black. And that poem, I, I, I was oblivious to the fact he was describing his hard journey as a black American coming up in a culture that did not give full rights and personhood to his entire ethnicity. You know, you're absolutely on point. I am proud of you, Alex. I am so proud of you because that poem was written in the civil rights era. Right. And it was a, the reader, a black female to her son, because she was a black mother also. And the metaphor there, when you think about the stairs, crystal stairs, easy. White folks come up, coming up white is easy versus being black, and she's encouraging her son. You're going to have a hard road, my man. You are black male. You're going to have a hard road, but don't you be afraid. Even though racism is there, obstacles are there, don't you be afraid. You be assured that you can make it. But what you're saying, Odell, what people need to understand, just because you're white, that don't mean that you had a crystal stare either. You didn't have a crystal stare. You cried. You struggled. And I think that's important for some people to hear because we understand systemic racism. We understand that. But I love the fact that you said, Odell, listen, I identified with him and I identified with the stairs and it wasn't crystal. Right. That, that poem is so powerful. I mean, it stands on its own. Uh, years later, as I realized what it was, a black mother talking to her black son, it made it all the more powerful. Um, and, you know, it would be many years before I learned the word metaphor. But one of the reasons I've always loved Langston Hughes' work is because he was a master of using an image to powerfully convey a reality. And, of course, in that poem, Mother to Son, about going up a hard stair. Somebody's staircase is really easy. Uh, somebody else's staircase is very, very hard. But the beautiful thing is the staircase is not impossible. It can be climbed. You know, thank you so much. And, and the whole idea, Alex, of what black people don't know about whites and what white people don't know about black. So my question is this. Why does there seem to be a difference in how white mothers raise sons versus their daughters? Wow. Oh, that is a great question. And let me say, um, I definitely believe there is a difference. 
uh, between the way a mother-daughter interacts and a mother and a son interacts. Um, now, you and I are both ministers. You've probably performed a number of wedding ceremonies, haven't you? Yes. And I have too. Uh, have you ever noticed, it's really funny, a wedding is a joyous day. Wonderful. The family is growing. But generally, when the mom is marrying off her beloved son, and here comes this interloper, the bride. <laughs> have you ever seen how, man, moms cannot, they do. You know you're going to get us in trouble, right? You know we're in trouble, right? Man, I was born in trouble. <laughs> okay. But uh, I have seen so many moms when my baby boy's getting married. Mama don't look happy. You ever notice that? Yes, I have. I have. And and in the South, there's often, and maybe this is everywhere, mothers and daughters sometimes have this almost toxic relationship sometimes. Have you ever noticed that? I don't know. Now, I know about black mothers, but my question to you is white mothers raising their sons versus their daughters. So I'm listening to see how white mothers versus black mothers, and then I'll talk about black mothers. I think white mothers show favoritism to the son very often. Very often. I know this was kind of the, the dynamic in our house, and I've seen it at, at family reunions. And I, it's almost like the son can be a slacker and he still gets all the props. So, so you were the favorite child then. So, so that is, that's what you're trying to tell us, Alex. Yeah, I got, I got spoiled and I would play that card and I knew how my sister and my dear sister, we were just at a family reunion and, and uh, Caroline, when you hear this podcast, you're probably going to smile, I hope. But uh, man, I knew how to play that card too. And, uh, you know, even though I was the youngest child and I was the only son. And uh, anyway, mom showed me a lot of preferential treatment. And there is a special dynamic. And I think men, maybe more than they realize, are shaped hugely by females in their journey. You ever think, because I'm sure as a minister too, you've probably spoken at men's conferences. You probably led men's conferences. I have. Um, and, you know, we're all about the testosterone, man. I know you're a hunter, guns. I love cars. But isn't it something, even the toughest male has a tender side, probably due to the influence of, of godly, wise females in their journey? You're absolutely right. You know, I fell in love as a young boy. I fell in love with a picture of my mother. Is this picture that she had made when she was 24 before she had a stroke and just gorgeous. Even to this day, I still love that picture. And I remember as a little boy kissing the picture. I know that sounds crazy. I'm not weird, Alex. I'm not weird. I was a little boy kissing a picture because I loved my mother. I think that is beautiful. And then later on, you know, we had a lot because in my household, it wasn't a father there. You know, my mother and father got divorced, as folks know. And my grandfather got involved and he helped raise me. But my sister, my relationship with my mother was one thing and loved her and was crazy about her. My relationship with my sister, my big sister, um, you know, that was a whole different relationship. We got along fine because it was us have to look out for each other. And then later on in life, when I met my bride, you know, that's a whole different kind of love. Mm -hmm. And to your point that a lot of who Odell is today and what I thank God I'm not is because of the women in my life. Now, my my wife has been the best thing that ever happened to me. We've been married for 36 years, and I'm just as in love with her to the point, Alex, where 
when I'm dead and gone, I'm trying to do things now to make sure she's taken care of even when I'm no longer here. And I just think that's that ultimate agape love. But then I keep discovering love. You know, my son, we didn't have it. We weren't blessed to have any daughters, but we have a daughter-in-law or what people, black people say, daughter-in-love. I don't know. What do y'all say? White folks, y'all say daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law. What did you say? Daughter-in-love. Daughter-in-love. L-O-V-E. So that's what what black folks say. That's beautiful. But you you can use that, Alice. A little black for you. You can use that. You can use that. So daughter-in-love, Robin, and, and she's blessed us with two grandkids. A son, of course, we, you know, male testosterone carrying on the name, but a beautiful granddaughter, we call a Cali girl. And I fell in love. She got me wrapped around her finger and just, oh, man. So just the whole idea of loving females in my life and women in my life. And I would not be the man I am if it wasn't for the women in my life. Now, to the question of mothers. And I'm still waiting for your answer on how white women, I'm still waiting for your answer, but from a black woman's perspective, and I asked my wife this as we prepare for this, black women sheltered their sons and loved their sons and raised their daughters. Because a lot of times, much like Langston Hughes' poem, they know that that black boy is going to catch it in society. They know it. So they have to prepare him with love. And you would say on the flip side, a black father would prepare him with toughness, hard, men don't cry, because the black man knows what he's going to get. But the mother has a different perspective. If she gives that black boy enough love and enough humanity in him, that when the hard times come, it doesn't make him weak. Love don't make us weak. Love makes us stronger. It does. It does. Well, and you know, my mom really personified this. Now, my mom could be, she was a school teacher and she could be tough as nails. I mean, she could be very rigid and uh, she was also very dramatic. And I'd love to tell you some things. My mom, um, I think she dealt with our poverty because I I mean, I don't want to get us off topic, but we, we had it hard for 20 years easy. I mean, I thought all white people had crystal stairs, man. Uh, I know. Well, our crystal stairs were out for repair. Or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, we misplaced them for a couple of decades, right? You know, and uh, and uh, drive raggedy old cars. And uh, actually, the bank came to put us out. I'll never forget. See, I I thought, you know, here we got this farm, we got it going on. My dad, you know, has a tractor, and it was a great life. Well, one day. In the 1970s, the bank came to put us out uh, because unbeknownst to all of us, we were behind on the mortgage and everything. And I can remember my mom on the front porch crying. Wow. And my, I don't know, I might have been 10 or 11. And my heart started to break because I'd never seen my mom like cry. And my dad, I'm watching him through the window, gesturing, like pleading, like, just give me some more time. And I can hear the bank man. He's saying, uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this, Neil, but you're you're behind, you're in arrears. I'd never heard the word arrears. That means you ain't paid your mortgage payment. So uh, we had to sell off all of our furniture. Now, my dad went down the road and a friend lent some money to give us a, about 30 days to try to make the next payment. And we did not lose the house, but we slept on the floor. We sold the furniture, sold everything. And when I saw my mom cry for the first time, that broke my heart. But it put within me a drive that I got to succeed. Now, back to the use of love. I, I read once 
the, the definition of love is the commitment to meet another person's needs. And I think we men, more than we realize, women show love to men. At least, and I'm not talking about lust or sex. I'm talking about the commitment to meet another person's needs. That's why I really do think that um, one of God's greatest blessings to the human race is family. Because women, probably more so than men, instinctively love. You know? You know, it's interesting. You almost bring tears to my eyes because one of the things we talk about on this show quite often is bias, prejudice, racism, stereotypes. And Alex, you know, I think that you have opened up in a lot of people, especially people of color who look like me, we can identify. Not not this poverty per se, but identify with the fact that we were wrong. If, if you think every white person has it made and every black person don't, or we were wrong. And I appreciate you sharing that so people understand that, you know, not all but some. Because a lot of times we have these things in our mind that, well, you you had it made, you're white, or everybody hates me because I'm black, or everybody loves me because I'm black, and everybody hates you because you're white. And the beautiful part about this show is that we get to pull down those bias, prejudices, stereotypes that won't lead to racism. So thank you so much for sharing that with me, just and, me, and your friend. You. Exactly. And you know what? I, I'm profoundly interested in your story. I can tell you've graciously listened and been interested in my story. One thing, parenthetically, I would love to insert for everybody listening, uh, stay in the journey. Maybe you have found the crystal stairs, or maybe you're coming up some very hard stairs. But I will say this, you can make it if you hang in there. Uh, Am I right? I mean, life is going to throw you some very hard things. Don't quit and don't give up. One thing my mother personified was hope. I mean, we had good days. We had bad days. We had days when we could pay the bills, and we had days when we had to call and say, please give us another month. But she was never a quitter. And that's, I'm kind of optimistic. You know, I try to see the glass half full. And again, that's something my, my dear mother put into me, you Stay positive, stay in there, say your prayers, and keep on going. Well, how do you feel about single-parent households? Uh, I think some single moms are the unsung heroes of our country. Um, Obviously, I believe in the family, and I want to call on men everywhere to man up (laughs) and do do right. But um, my hat's off to the single moms that work like the Dickens and raise good kids to go out and be somebody. Well, I'm, I'm the product of a single uh, mother, divorced single mother. And, you know, it's interesting when you think about, um, I was looking at Time Magazine, came out, Amanda Gorm. Do you know who Amanda Gorm is? She uh, was at the inauguration of Biden and Harris, and she's a poet. Much like Langston Hughes. Indeed. Did you... When you think about her words and her powerful, we say here a lot of time, hearing is one thing. We hear it, but do we listen? Do we listen to the words? And when you listen to the words, it just makes a big difference on her poem, The Hill We Climb. 
Did you ever get a chance to really know what the words were? I, I did, and and I like that. Hey, and, and let me just say one thing. I don't know. Um, this is the teacher in me preemptively addressing something, maybe. Regardless of Langston Hughes or Amanda Gorham's politics, this is one of the beautiful things about poetry and art, all art. It speaks to people irrespective of the politics of the one who wrote it. So I'm glad you mentioned this poem. And, uh, but, well, I hope we circle back to Langston Hughes. But read some of this, and it, it is beautiful, it is powerful, and it's really life-changing if you take these words to heart. Well, let me just take a, a quick stab at it, because, of course, I'm not a poet lordy or anything like that. But her poem says, When days come, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this ever-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. And the norms and the notions of what just is isn't always justice. And yet the dawn is ours before we know it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country at a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And Alice, I'm gonna stop right there because many people need to read it for themselves. But you talked about the skinny black girl and some other lines in that poem that made us identify with the fact that we're all in this together. Yeah. We're all in this together. And that's, that's the product of a mother. That's the product of a mother. A mother put that in her to say, you can be what you want to be. And that's why we love our mothers. That's why we love the women in our lives. That's why it hurts me when I see stuff like domestic violence and abuse because my mother was a victim of abuse and the bad thing about it was my father. Mm. So we've all have a story. We've all come from somewhere. We've all been there and done that, but we dress it up as adults and we act like, well, we don't know. So help me, my friend, help me when we see the beautifulness of a Langston Hughes or we see the brilliance of Amanda Gorm. And, and it was a time, Alex, when someone with her skin tone would not be allowed on the cover of a Time magazine or would not be allowed on other things, but they would be allowed on National Geographic mm. when you saw her looking like an African versus on Time when she's an African queen. You know, uh, I, I, do, I do love this poem. Um, core value here is people are wonderful. People are beautiful. Obviously, people are made in God's image. And so one of the things, this line, it says, a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. Wow. Wow. Uh, this is a huge line. And let me say this, folks. Uh, one of the things I would love for you to take away from this podcast is appreciation for the women God has put in your life to shape you. And I'm going to give you six women I think we all, every man encounters. But for a second, because a lot of people, look, some people are thrilled at the Biden-Harris administration. 
conservatives think the world is ending. <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Alex, not the world. Uh, not the world. They be upset, but not the world, right? Hey, some probably do. Now, look, I'm con- concerned about this nation, but I agree with Amanda Gorham here. Our nation isn't finished. Wow. And here's another beautiful line, powerful. And I want to call on everybody, read this, The Hill We Climb. Because look, white, black, anybody, you're you're in the midst of climbing a hill. Here, here's a line. Uh, we would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. This effort very nearly succeeded. But all right, here we go. While democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. All right. I know I got some conservative friends that are going to they're probably going to freak out. Alex, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're conservative Republicans. Don't you be reading this poem on the air. Now, listen, folks, I want to say this. This is one of my core values. You've got to acknowledge truth wherever you find it. And there's truth here in this poem. Uh, democracy might be delayed. It can never be permanently defeated. And I want to say this, Odell. Uh, in the founding of America, we didn't get everything right on day one. Yes. There was much that was right. I am passionate about America. Thank God uh, slavery and racism uh, were getting it right over time. I would, I would beg, honestly, for anybody who doesn't love America and our liberty, regardless of your state or status, love this nation because she's right. Uh, democracy, it's a work in progress, isn't it? And civil rights and freedom and, this, uh, as Jefferson wrote, the pursuit of happiness. It, it's a work in progress. I, I want to, um, if she were one of my pupils in one of my classes, I would give her an A plus because um, this. Well, what would you give me, Alex? What well, would you give? You know, I have issues with white teachers. What would you give me, Alex? Would you give me a passing grade, please? I, on everything you and I have done so far, I'd give you an A plus, man. Okay, you know? are you are you grading on the curve? Uh, no, no, uh, it's all black and white, man. It's uh, always all black and white, man. But this is on par with America the Beautiful and Catherine Lee Bates, and I believe it's on par with the Star Spangled Banner and Francis Scott Key. Listen to this imagery. Um, We will rise from the golden hills of the West. We will rise from the windswept Northeast where our forefathers first realized revolution. And I mean, that could mean the American Revolution couldn't mean the Civil War, actually, the upper Northeast. We will rise from the lake rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked South. I know what that's about. We we will rebuild, reconcile, recover in every known nook of our nation, every corner called our country. Our people, diverse and beautiful, will emerge battered and beautiful, aflame and unafraid. That's, that's powerful imagery. And again, folks, look, for just a minute, forget about politics and narrative and whose agenda. We're talking about human beings. And one of the beautiful things one of my core values, and I think it's biblical, when I honor you, I'm honoring the one whose image you bear. Yes. Everybody's made in God's image. Yes. I thank God for people. People are not a burden. People mm. are a blessing to be experienced. And you know, the beautiful thing about it, when I show love, meaning to seek the highest good of another, when, when I when I love my neighbor, 
I'm the beneficiary of that. Isn't that wild? You know, it's, you, you're so powerful. And Alex, people ask me, so many listeners to the podcast ask me, I can't believe Alex said that. I don't believe that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Alex and myself, along with everyone who's listening, we are all on a journey together. So when you see something like Amanda Gorm and she's sitting there and you open the Time magazine and you see it's a beautiful picture is in there where she's holding a cage and a yellow bird is in there and it alludes to Maya, Maya Angelou. Angela. I know why the cage bird is saying. I mean, it's just so much there. Yeah. It's just, listen, I didn't even know about we used to call it black lit, black literature, African-American literature, until I got in college. All I knew about Western civilization and all the powerful women, but it's no, than the women in our lives. And I can't wait to hear your six women that you're going to teach me about. Oh, well, yeah, um, the six women that, that shape every male. And I, I bet instantly a lot of things will come to mind. Okay, mom. Yes. A sibling. My sister, yes. A grandmother or an aunt? Yes. Okay. A teacher? Uh, you know, I have some issues with uh, teachers know, doing integration. So, yeah, yeah. But, but you um, know, let me put a little sticker there. Yeah, there, yeah. They put, we'll flag that one. Yeah, thank you. For me. Ch- chances are there was a good one that invested. Uh, yeah, okay. And then here's a big one. The first crush and then the wife. Okay. Mom, sibling. Grandmother, aunt, teacher, good teacher, or maybe even a negative, first crush, and the wife. They all shape you because they advance you to the next stair on the staircase. Okay. Now, I'm not going to sit here on on national audience and talk about a crush on a woman and stuff, but I'll talk about my lovely wife who I love, been married and all this kind of good, good things, and who I sat in a delivery room and watch her birth our children mm. it's not man I'm, I'm sorry just emotionally just thinking about it if you go into a delivery room it's nothing sexy about a delivery room only thing in the delivery room is smells and sounds and emotions and you get to see that child and someone like me who said God if you bless me when I grew up to be a man and I have a man, children, I will be the father for them that I didn't have. So when they turned that little fellow over and I saw those um, peanuts, you know, it was like, great. And then I'm like, I'm satisfied. Then the next child we had, a year or two years later, and he came out full of hair. I thought he was a girl. I just knew he was a girl. And they turned him over and I saw the peanuts. I'm like, oh my God, God, you're saying that I have so much that I need more than one vessel. I need two vessels. And Alex is like, and I can just look at my wife, man, and just say, thank you. Thank you for allowing me, giving me a gift that I couldn't give myself. Because in spite of what men, what we think, we cannot deliver children. I don't care. I don't care. And I don't want to get in that whole conversation, but we cannot deliver children as a man. Marriage and family is sacred. Marriage and family is sacred. I mean, life is produced. And, you you know, one of the things that, that psychologists say everybody wants is some kind of legacy. You know, what, what did I leave behind? Well, your greatest legacy is your family and your children. Isn't that yeah. something? 
Yeah. And, you know, I think back my grandfather who raised me and he's dead and gone. I remember his funeral. I remember my, you know, it's interesting as I think back. I'm old enough to remember my grandfather's grandmother. I remember her. Wow. And, yeah, exactly. She died in 1968. I was eight years old. My then goodness. I know, of course, my grandfather's mother. And then my grandfather, my mother, now me, my son, and his children. So when you think about it, my great-great-grandmother, that's one generation. My great-grandmother's two generations. My grandfather, three generations. My mother, four generations. Me, five generations. My son, six generations. And his children are seven generations. Alice, I'm blessed already. I, I, I know seven generations. I've seen seven generations. Will I see eight? Don't know. Maybe. But, but the role that the, the women has played in our family, and, and you said something the other day, and I won't steal your tagline about, you know, who rules the world. I, I'll go let you go ahead with that if you don't mind. But it's true. Oh, man, it's true. Well, it is. And, you know, I, I've said this, and I believe it. Lose at anything else but win with your family. Lose at anything else but win with your family. Um, you know, uh, my mother uh, died in 2014. And uh, it, 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 even as we went through those end times, my sister, God love her, and we're as close as can be. But she wasn't there through my mom's dying months. I, I was. Um, and they kind of had their goodbyes. In, in a way, it's like mothers and daughters, and I, I can only speak for the white community and my own family. Mothers and daughters kind of have, they're like business partners. Okay. But, but mothers and sons are like blood, you know. Uh, the, mother and, the mother and daughter have an alliance. The mother and son are soulmates. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but mom was in the hospital and uh, she had had a brain aneurysm and she was in and out of consciousness. And, you know, we, by God's grace, we said all the right things. I love you and you're, you're everything to me and I'll see you soon. And, and so she had had a few hours, she was awake and I said, can I get you anything? And she mouthed the word milkshake. Wow. My mother loved a chocolate milkshake. So I was like, I flew from Moses Cone Hospital over to this place on Battleground Avenue, and I got her a chocolate milkshake. And I thought, I hope I can get back before she passes. And she um, couldn't swallow hardly, but I took a straw, and I got this little droplet of chocolate milkshake, and I put it on her tongue, and this big old smile comes across her face. And she smiled, and she nodded, and she said, I love you. Hmm. Now, it's four in the morning. I go home to get some sleep, and they call me, and they said she had passed. This dawned on me that I got my first nutrition from my mother, and I gave her last nutrition. The first bit of nutrition I ever ingested in this world came at my mother's breast, right? And I, as her son, was able to give her the last drop of food she ever tasted, a little droplet of milkshake. But we feed each other. You know, we, we men, um, and that, what a beautiful thing. I mean, we think of it's, it's a man's world, they say, but yet it's mom that gives us life. You know, it's mom that raises us. It's probably 
more times than not. It's mom that changes the diapers and um, nurtures us through our first steps. And, and I thank God for my mom, and I hope that I could serve her. She, she surely did serve me. Maybe I was able to return the favor to some degree. You know, you imagery, you know, your imagery, what you said was made me think about um, wet nurses. And it's a part of the African-American history, which is a part of the American history, which is part of white history, where white babies were nursed from black breasts. And that whole idea of feeding first nutrition. And in some cases, those same babies grew up to learn to hate black breasts or love black breasts. Now, one of the things that you talked about dying and it's just something I think about a lot because I attend and I do funerals of, I say it like this, Alex, I don't mind going, but the whole idea of leaving is different. And let me explain that. Going is going. I believe in heaven going. That's fine. But leaving my family, leaving my wife, that that's hard. And another thing you said is the hands that rock the cradle does what? Rules the world. Explain that to the audience. Well, um, you know, I, I had heard that attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but he got the quote from somebody else, as <laughs> okay. I'll later learn. But the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Um, hey, the mother. Oh, my goodness. The immeasurable influence of a mother, you know, because they rock the cradle. They rock the babies. And, and you know what? Let, let me just say, uh, I, I learned that my dad was nursed by a black wet nurse you know, growing up. Uh, without getting too much into the details, let me just say this, folks. Look, we're in this together. Obviously, I'm a preacher. I preach. Somebody asked me, said, you know, I bet you want everybody to become a Christian. Well, of course, as a minister, it's my job to proclaim the gospel. But I want to tell you something. Give America great, strong families and great, loving neighbors. We're going to have a great nation. And some of those families may not be the code word nuclear families. Some of these families are the families, I believe in families just like you. One of the things too that I believe in is, I hear you, dot store. The mm-hmm. swag, Alice. <laughs> Let's talk about someone saying, how can I get some swag? Go there, Alice, now, how can they get some swag? <laughs> how can they get some swag, Alex? Well, they can go to IHearYa.show, S-H-O-W, the website, IHearYa, Y-A, IHearYa.show. And folks, um, I want to ask a favor. Number one, forward these podcasts. Spread the word. We're talking about stuff nobody else is talking about together, heart to heart. And we're hand in hand, heart to heart. And you're going to hear a lot of stuff from Odell that I think needs to be laid out on the table. Um, You can help support by buying the dog tags, getting a coffee mug, and every day brew up that pot of coffee and sit down and listen to the I Hear You podcast. Spread the word. It's a great America, and we're going to make it even better by talking heart to heart about some hard truth. And I I love the fact that I hear people calling me and they talk about Alex and I'm it's like, yeah, but Alex is a great guy. Or they probably call you and talk about Odell. It's like, yeah, but Odell's good looking. Did we say, did we say in on this show yet, 
Odell, a good looking black guy. We didn't say it, that. It is long overdue. Oh, say it, come man. on. How we didn't say Odell, a good looking black guy? Here, here, we're, here we're a half hour into the show, and we haven't stated the obvious the good looking black dude, plus Alex. But hey, Alex, know, what's a dude? You say that a lot. Like, surf a dude. I, you know, it's just shorthand for a guy. But you know what? So people listen and they're like, Alex, what are you doing? He, did I hear him say he's, he's a Democrat? And I'm like, yeah. And, and you're doing a show with him? I'm like, well, yeah. Because, hey, there's stuff we agree on. There's stuff we disagree on. But it's healthy to talk. Exactly. And that's what I love about it. Because even my, my daughter-in-law called the other day. And, you know, daughter love, excuse me, daughter love called. And she was like, wow, I'm so glad you all are having these conversations. I'm going to, and she's 30 something years old. I'm going to do it to my Instagram and get my friends and tell them all about it. America is starving That's true. for some honest conversation around race. And I just think that I hear you. We're part of the, we can help quench that thirst. Exactly. And just like a poem by Langston Hughes, I didn't know the color of the poet. I just know the power of the words. Wow. You, you know? say that again. You sound like a preacher. You you know what? You sound, you know what? You sound like a black Baptist Democratic preacher, Alex. Uh, you're uh, two out of three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know the color of the poet. I just knew the power of the poem. And, you know, folks, let's just let's just love our neighbor and be a friend. And we're all going to be better for having done it. Wow. Alex, you know. I usually say, I hear you, Alex, and you just say, I hear you. But let me say something. I love you, Alex. I love what you brought today to the show. And I think that you're helping me and a lot of the listening audience who look like me have a better understanding that life for you wasn't no crystal stairs. Wow. Well, I love you too, brother. I, I sincerely do. And uh, folks, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Maybe today... There's a woman in your life you need to call up and say thank you. And maybe there's some fence mending that needs to be done. And you know what? Uh, life, regardless of the staircase you find yourself on, keep on climbing and know that we love you. And we thank you for listening to I Hear You. I hear you, Alex. I hear you, Odell. Folks, you can find us more at IHearYou.show. Tell somebody about the podcast and have a blessed day. <laughs>